All right, I believe we are recording. Welcome back to another episode of the Just Evanston Podcast. I'm your host, David Baker. And tonight's guest is, if you're on the Sniper's Hide, you you have A, seen him post, B, you know what he's got going on now, but C, you also know that he is quite possibly the scariest person on Sniper's Hide. Okay, before I go any further, I have mentioned on one of the uh, previous episodes, one of the early episodes, how Sniper's Hide has a, not just Sniper's Hide, but just the precision rifle community has, but Sniper's Hide specifically, has a the most diverse uh, members. And by that, I mean you could get professionals in every... Um, every corner in life and, and what you could, you know, any occupation that anyone could ever have, there's at least one representative or be an actual expert, like opinion or expert at whatever thing you want to bring up. Um, and my guest tonight, Theus Protov of Hoplite Arms, I, I, I saw long ago, a few years ago, some work you did, Theus, that scared me to death with some of the shit that you found out about people and posted it. And I was like, yo, is this motherfucker like in his backyard right now? I mean, it's amazing what you can pull up. You're just your your data uh, base of knowledge in your head of what you can do and find out about people. You're like some secret squirrel shit, dude, like your abilities even now, uh, in life. And it's, it's, it's pretty amazing. And it's fun to watch you do that shit when a troll make them just fall apart. But, uh, without further ado, um, DS, how you doing, buddy? Uh, doing good. Doing good. Just busy. Busy. Yeah. You know, I, I tell people all the time, you know, people, you know, we like the conveniences of electronics and we like the communications of electronics, but they are, can be bad, let's put it the easy way. Um, for example, you know, some of the trolls we've had come through since I retired. Half the information I find out and look at, it takes like five minutes because they use the same username on everything on the internet. Their reviews on Amazon, same username. They had a complaint to Sears and Robux, same username. And every, they all had the same username with whatever their own. You just know where to look. Well, it's just, it's yeah, everything's online. There's nothing not online. Where your wife works at is online. Where your kids go to school is at is online. Where you bake ass online, you bake online. Yeah, I, I believe it was a year. I think it was last year, maybe 2019. I can't remember, but I, I it, something on Sniper's Hide, a thread. I don't remember which one it was, but I had basically made, or you had commented on my thing, and we were just joking back and forth about this very topic, and you were like, hey, man, you need to check the air pressure in your back right tire. And literally, I know that was a, it had to have been a joke, but no shit. Earlier that day, I had my back right tire plugged. 
I mean, yeah, you just, yeah. everything, <laughs> everything digital. Yeah, it must be Jesus Christ, because I was like, yeah, this this is the scariest dude ever because he, he can just find out anything he wants to know. And if he wants other people to know it, he has that ability to do that. But this, let's get into. All right. So you are currently down south. You're in yeah, Hoplite Arms is based out of uh, Louisiana. All right. Um, let's go back kind of your history not too much because of what your prior profession was and I'm, you know we're not going to get into anything that you know you don't need to but you know prior before that like what what brought you to where and we'll get into hoplite of course but what brought you to today of owning hoplite and and everything is just in shooting and just everything what got you into that uh well, the shooting aspect of it, uh, I started shooting with the the Navy shooting team, and then I progressed it from that. When I got out, I went. I was one of the original uh, testers for the for the original four week shot attack systems, mm-hmm. um, and then from that, I went to DDTC. Department of State uh, ITAR investigations and audits. Um, that led me to the Middle East, North Africa region, where I specialized with DDTC uh, for their follow-ups, the investigations, the audits, everything else came into that. And from that led to EDIC and formerly EDIC in the Emirates, uh, the Emirates Defense Industry Companies, that is government owned. They control all the defense industry companies in the entire country. They have a say in what goes on and who does what. Um, at the time, there was a, it was TADS, Tawaz and Advanced Defense Systems. Uh, they brought in the guy from Lobev Arms out of Russia to develop a few rifles due to some issues in Russia. Then he went back to Russia, left uh, the designs with Tads, and they were having some issues with the Shytac model. So from that, I just I fell into that with them. Mm-hmm. And then right to that, they purchased Caracal and moved all the rifles underneath the Caracal brand. And just went back and forth with that, uh, with DDTC and then consulting to EDIC, uh, consulting to the Ukrainian company Fort, which is a, a government-owned farm manufacturer that manufactures most things under a license agreements in the Ukraine. And then Romanian arms, the international gun world. So mm-hmm. when, when I retired from DDTC and come back to the States, it was like, you know, I knew all the ins and outs of the international gun world, military gun world. It was like, well, let's just do the gun thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and see, and, you know, for people who don't know you, um, and, and anyone's listening to you right now, uh, you know, you sound like you're from Texas area and, and everything. 
But you are not. No, no. Uh, Eastern European. Yep. And, and and when I'm sure that's going to be very uh, shocking to a lot of people listening to this, like, holy shit, like there's no trace of any of that. Now, let me I want to vouch for you for a second, because through conversations that we have had over the past year or so, you know, is very in, in also your content and stuff that you post on on uh, Sniper side and everything. Uh, regardless of that, you are as red blooded American as I am. And, and or, or is any other person. And that's really cool. And I think oh, I'm gonna I, get, I, 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 I got my citizenship in the Navy. Yeah. And, and that and I actually when I was in the Air Force, I had a buddy that I met. He was from India and got his citizenship to the Air Force. And I thought that was super noble <laughs> of him then. And it was really cool. He's like, man, this is the, the greatest country in the world. And uh, it, it's an honor for me to, to serve it and, and become a citizen of it. And, you know, that that to me, I think I was thinking today and I'm going to get into I'm going to have Jacob Bynum on again next week. Um, and we and him were talking last night about some things we were, we're going to talk about. And I was thinking of some stuff today that I'm going to be mentioned to him. But and I'll elaborate more next week with him. But I do want to say this, though, that people that are born and raised here in America today in the year 2021, there is a, a an obvious sense for, I'd say, the general rule, not there are exceptions, but there's a lack of appreciation and um, just acknowledgement of how good this country is compared to the rest of the world, unless you come from another country and you move here. You, they, Cubans being, my opinion, the, the greatest example of that, because they what, think of what they left and what they've come to. Now, they left that for a reason, and we're here now seeing our country, you know, look towards that direction instead right. of being what it always has been, the shining example of freedom. You've got people coming here or that or live here that don't know what they have, you know? Well, the, the, the sad part is people don't really realize what the government can and do. Uh, we, you know, the U.S. has lived under, you know, for lack of better terms, a peaceful government in its, you know, in all of our entire existence. Um, but some of the overseas governments are very different. They function different. Uh, I think last count that that I was discussed about, you know, there's over 40,000 people in Belarus that are missing because they opposed an election. Yep. And they're missing. They're they're gone. I mean, we can all we can all kind of imagine where they are. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there's there's 40,000 of them disappeared. And and on, are we? I'm not saying we're there, but are just. Here since November, or, or actually, really since the sixth or, or the twentieth, are we not already seeing foreshadowing of that now? Literally here, you you seeing the what would be considered the pre-planning stages. Um, this election has. People don't really realize it had a major effect on the international world uh, in regards to their elections. 
for example, the the Moldova election was the same time frame. The the sitting president hands down got beat. Everybody wanted him to get beat, and he uh, refused to step down. He <laughs> just you know because you know it's just what their country does. Because he didn't want it to go, he didn't want to leave. So you know, from the international world was you know. The international side was looking at our election of, you know, well, you know, Trump's really not going to leave. Well, the U.S. side, you know, yeah, he's going to leave. You know, we don't function that way. Right. We, you know, we don't. But in other countries, you know, they do function that way. Great. Right, you know, he, he finally, you know, the Moldova thing got settled and everything else. And you had, you know, the Belarus issues still going. They're still disappearing people. You got, you know, the... Uh, Armenia, Azerbaijan issues was is all in this. It all, it's all in our same election cycle. Yeah, and you know it's uh, it, it to me this. I mean, I, you, people are going to dis- disagree with you know this all day long for throughout history. But if if anything that twenty twenty one or the twenty twenty elections have shown us. Is that you can steal an election and get away with it, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Well, you know, that's, you know, the way, you know, the way the U.S. functions, the way we function with our elections, you know, no one truly knows who wins any election anymore. Like, you know, that, well, you know, pre- even predating this one, you know, it, we, we don't know when the last really election happened. Yeah. I mean, there's fraud. I mean, there's fraud. There's been fraud since we've started having elections. I mean, really, but on the grand scheme of where it tips the scales one way or another, though, this is the first one in history that uh, has been under the microscope to where and well, the, the I mean, these things, right? Right. These things, these phones with a camera built into them um, is really is what's changed a dynamic in not just, you know, these, this election we've had, but in everything. I mean, think about like police brutality. How many times did, did guys get tuned up by the cops that no one ever knew about until this thing came out? Cause they didn't exist. Well, Well, the worst part about that is, People were told about them and no one believed it. Right. Yep. Yep. Exactly. So, you know, the election issues. You know, when the United, you know, when the United States government, let's take the Iraq elections for example. You know that you know the purple dye on the fingers. You know, we you, you knew so. You dye the finger, they make their vote, and then all it takes is to press that finger on a piece of paper. With the same color dye, and there could be no more votes tallied than there are fingerprints in in the ledger books. It, it's as clean as it's as clear as that. Yeah, yeah. It, Can't be. Oh, you know, you know, I got you know, I got five hundred thousand ballots over here for this guy. Well, there's only four hundred thousand fingerprints. How many times in different states did we see that this year? Right. Where like, oh, there's how did y'all vote at one hundred and forty percent rate? 
you voted more than there are people in your state, you know, <laughs> or, or at bare minimum uh, registered voters. But right. that doesn't matter anymore. Like the registered voter thing, it's it's overlooked like that's not that doesn't even matter because it's like, oh, well, you know, they're going to vote. Well, no. How about the dead voters? If you find one dead voter, there's going to be more than one dead voter. Now, it's just going to be on what great how, what scale. Right. You know, people that have been dead for 15 years. I had a friend of mine who got a phone call and asked if his parents voted this election or planned to vote this election. And he said, I can't remember if it was pre or post election. If he got the phone call, he said, man, my parents have been dead for 12 years. Both my parents died the same year, 12 years ago. And they're like, oh, <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, and and then so how can you how can you really expect for democracy to prevail when you have this type of fuckery going on? Small government. Everybody needs to focus on their own on their own community, their own street, their own town. And let the, let the federal level do what it's going to do. Yeah, me and you talked about that a few weeks ago. Yeah, like it's amazing that people who they don't know who their sheriff is. They don't know who their county commissioners are. They don't know really. They know the name of their mayor of their town, their city they live in, but they don't know anything about them. It's amazing. Oh, but everyone knows who's running for president, though. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. In in reality, you know, the. The president doesn't do anything for my day-to-day life. Well, right now, uh, the president is doing something for my day-to-day life. The the right. this right the, the eviction yeah the rent moratorium yeah that uh, extension on the federal level to the thirty-first uh, of March that definitely affects me. So fuck him for that. But I mean, just think of your sheriff, right? And now you told me you got a really good relationship with your sheriff and your sheriff squared away is a good guy. My sheriff is a fucking cunt. And I I know how she got there by dirty politics. See, I know I know the sheriff that stepped down before her personally. Uh, He's a family friend, but he endorsed her when he and her have nothing in common as far as views or anything. But. She had the dirt on him where because he couldn't keep his dick in his pants. And in order for her to keep quiet, and I know this, this is actual fact um, by people that were in the room when the conversation was held. But uh, she, however, had the dirt on him. So he said, it's time for you to step down and you're going to endorse me. And that's what he did. So you got to keep you got to keep your own. You got to start with your own front porch. And then it because that's what that's what the left has done. They have put grassroots people in place since the 60s and look at them. educations that they're, they're, they're the best. They're the best at it. Look at the education system. Look at planning and zoning. Look at I mean, every small level thing every time everywhere. It's just about it's filled with with Democrats or liberals and they're they're taking over everything. So there's no buffer between what's going on in Washington and going on in Main Street, USA, where you live. Right. Right. That's the sad part. But this isn't a political podcast. Okay, so let's fast forward. I remember when you announced Hoplite Arms on uh, Sniper's Hide. 
and it has been it has been a show like in the, in a good sense like it's been in my opinion the way firearms manufacturers or not just fire let's just forget firearm manufacturers manufacturers of any business it's the way it ought to be ran and for that i applaud you and and thank you you have your your uh, mission statement was and I'm paraphrasing here, and I know I'm leaving a, sh- a shit ton of stuff out, but is to be as transparent in the process. Like, hey, look, I'm not taking pre-orders. I'm not taking the first dollar from anybody until these things are ready to be put up in boxes and go. Right, and, and nobody dictates that time but me. I don't have to rush it because no one's waiting on. I no one's waiting on you, day. other than anticipation. You know. Right. Right, but I, I'm not I'm not obligated to a customer's finances to put Absolutely. a product out until they're ready for it. I just changed it today. Yeah, yeah, right. And and I think it was mentioned in your thread of how easy it would have been for you to be like, ah, oh, we'll come out with a Gen two bolt catch. Oh yeah, yeah, because you know the, you know the chance of it happening is you know I've operated that bolt tens and tens of thousands of times and never got it to do it. All right. Well, let's let's back up and let's uh well, first let's let's talk about what because uh, we're going to get to that um because to me it's just it shows the example of what you're doing as far as like your business model and it's something to be uh be mentioned for sure because it's I think a model that I, I I hope other manufacturers start to um to take um so you had the idea okay I'm gonna build some badass rifles. I'm going to build basically something that's going to be dipping into the, the Barrett money, the AI money, the, um, desert tech money, the Seiko money. Um, you, you name it. And I'm, I'm getting, I'm going to hoplite is going to be with those guys. Yes. The, uh, because I see, and I still see the, uh, you know, we, we see companies come into this industry, you know, on a weekly or monthly basis, but they all seem to be they and it's their business model that they, they run with it. But they everybody's trying to do, you know, not everybody, majority of them are they want to be budget, 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 budget. So it's left the top tier guys with in their own bubble uh, with no one else coming in it for. Well, let's see when when Dead to Tang launched 2009. Like you know, no one's no one's entered that. You know, no one new has come into the you know the top tier market in a long time. I mean, over a decade, really. Yeah. I mean, well, Kdex, Kdex. I mean, Kdex has got some stuff. They they're within well, that 2009. Yeah, 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 yeah. They're yeah they're before that, but they're not in the US. Right. And so you you uh, you've built a what I mean, I, I'm you know me, I'm an I'm an AI fan. I love I love my AI. But what but but what you're building is you could be looked at as like the an AI killer. I mean, you know, what I'm saying like it's the it's the direct like, hey, this thing move over. Check check out Hoplite. Yeah, you know, we, we, we've done some things different, you know. We have chosen some different alloys for specific reasons. 
that no one else is using. Um, the yeah, I, I guess if you wanted to compare it, of who who really we when we get the final production version finished, ready to go, uh, you know, our intention is to you know be in the same market space that AI is in. You know, AI has their market. You know, they, they you know, AI has their following. That nothing's going to change that. You know, should I got AI? You know, I, you know, uh, but I wanted to change that, uh, holistically speaking, change it with the alloys. So you know, with the with the bolt alloy difference and the breech cylinder alloy, what they are. Um, you know, that comes out the gate a little a little different than any other manufacturer. But what it allows us to do is to expand and grow on the system as a whole with the high pressure cartridges from, you know, from the lathe turned brass to the lathe turned solids. Um, and, you know, I'm focusing on more of an entire package system as the end goal, uh, not just the, the rifle itself. Right. Yeah. Well, you know, AI, AI did the, the ASR package. It was, there was a fucking Kestrel. There was a suppressor. It was a bipod. There was obviously scope rings, rifle. I mean, all that too, because it was for a specific contract. Right. Uh, this well, is right, what, right. When I say package, I'm meeting, the the standard ammunition, the high pressure ammunition, the ballistic software, um, and you know, you know, you know, you know, scopes are the package, you know, casual the package, but they don't make any of those. Right. You know, you know yep. the the ammunition is a hoplite ammunition. The ballistics program is the sister company to hoplite. Is you know all in, you know all internal. Yeah, yeah, and so you're taking you're basically uh, you've got your equivalent of the ASR package, but you're taking it a whole nother level of like you said in depth, in house control that you're not having to source this that, and then not only that you're not having to be at the you know held at the whims of of said company that has that product it's all in-house you control that if you want to change it you ain't got to wait on nobody it's on you to change and so you're offering a complete package to where i mean and it's like i said it's not just hey it all comes with it it's no it's all made here we this is we offer all this from us yeah so so what we're going to do is Basically, the weapons, there's three different weapon systems. We're going to release the Aspis first. It's on the full magnum size. Basically, what we're going to do is offer that in two models. You want to shoot jacketed bullets or you want to shoot monolithics? Mm-hmm. And that that's not for, for lack of better terms, the lack of choices. That's the choices we're giving the customer. You want to shoot jacketed bullets or monolithics? You can tell me which one you want to shoot. And the gun will be set up to shoot which one you want. There, there are, there is no rifle out there that shoots both perfect. 
Right, both equally perfectly. It, it, right, it, it just doesn't happen. They were they require different barrel specifications. They require different ammunition specifications. Yeah, and so let's get into all right. So the Aspis is going to be the the Lapua sized your, your big boys, and then let's yeah. get into some of the the other the, the models behind that that you're going to be that's in the works. It, it, the next one is the Copus, and that's basically the short action. Uh, then the Phalanx, that's the BMG size. Yeah, the big boy. Yeah, after that, I'll probably uh, do a 223 size. That's going to be awesome. That's going to be really cool. That's, yeah, I, you know, we're, we're still trying to work on that because, you know, with the, you know, with the increased cost of the, the super alloy and then, you know, the increased cost of the, the Bartlands Mod BB alloy, That'd be a pretty expensive two-two-three class. Sure. Yeah, so. but you know, it's. I mean, look, when you're talking about when you're talking about getting into this game, as far as not even what I do, because it's expensive to get into the realm that you know the most of the listeners are in. But even just getting into the game that that you're touching on, if you're worried about the cost, then it's probably not going to be in the cards for you anyway. It's like, you know, you don't, the guy that buys a Ferrari isn't that yeah. worried about the $30,000 oil change, right? Right. So, I mean, that that's to be expected. You're not going to be having, you know, $9,000, $10,000, $12,000 rifle systems or, or up, and then, hey, here's a $1,200 223. I mean, you know, it's just... Right, yeah, it's not going to happen. Not going to happen. It's, it's, it's not even apples and oranges it's it's apples and hand grenades it's not even close to being the same so i mean i completely get that so the the short action the uh, copus that is that going to be i mean a basically a scaled down model the only difference between that and the aspis is a three-quarter inch receiver length right so it's going to be a, yeah. like a little mini me it, 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 it uses the exact same brick cylinder. It uses the it uses the same diameter bolt. It uses the same barrel threads. It uses the same chassis except the center section and the magazine well. It, I, I, all the other parts are the same. Right. I want to get into the chassis a little bit because, um, and I'm a, yeah, and I'm gonna be I'm gonna be honest with you. Yeah. Well, I mean, but hey, it's worked out. It has worked out because. I remember the early stages of of Hoplite of the the I guess the beginning prototype that you had. Um, you know, I told you I was like, man, if someone's gonna be spending that because you you've got this that the action design is phenomenal. I love the action design. I really do. It's a really cool action design. Layman terms, looking at it. I said this way back then. It's like like AI and Tika had a love child, and it was like better than both. It was like you know what I'm saying. Like it was like a prodigy, and it, it's, it, it's probably I consider it the the least amount of part bolt action receiver available. Yeah, I, the I, thing I, has I, the least amount of parts of of anything. The firing pin spring is six coils. Yeah. I mean, you can't ask for anything as far as when you talk about like things that the the whole and I've used it too the term of bomb proof and stuff like that. It really, 
I mean, it really is. You have to have fewer moving parts to break to make something that, you know, reliable. And you've you've done that. Well, you think you figure the that that super alloy, that air mat 100 bolt and breech cylinder. Uh, those things don't start to fail or wear to 280,000 cartridge pressures. You, you, no, no way in the world can run that. No, there's, you can't make that pressure. I mean, it's, it's just impossible. To, in the size of what that is, can't you can't do it. But that, and I was like, you put that action, and you you started with you're like, uh, well, the back end is uh, the 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 action is the heart. That's what matters, and in the barrel combination of the two. And so yeah, that's where your I guess your um uh design capital went right if you will and then it's like well we're putting a uh magpul prs you know gen three i don't even know what gen it is two or three whatever and i was like man you got you i you're as smart as you are you can do something better than that and then you were like basically hold my beer and the butt stock of the chassis the new chassis is fucking D-cups. It is tits. It is, I just love changed, it. I, I just changed that today, too. Please don't tell me you changed it, like, completely. No, the uh, the length of pull and the cheek height uh, adjustment brackets, where I had the, the, the knobs that adjust them, um, I, I put the brackets in tracks so that even when you, when you loosen the knob, the brackets don't tilt front or back. Okay. And I'm sure anyone listening to this right now that may be a prospective buyer, uh, once again, appreciates you doing this now before they go and give you their, you know, yeah. hard earned money. You know what I'm saying? Just just like the bolt stop that we're going to get into. But OK, so the the butt stock, I remember when you sent me the CAD model of the new butt stock, I was like, holy shit, that is fucking like you just went from zero to 120 mile an hour because that was awesome what you did with it i love it 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 looks yeah, really it, good uh, yeah, well a lot of people don't know what you can't really see in that chassis because we haven't highlighted it very much uh, it gets back into the receiver design or what triggers a lot designed to run specifically the i so the bottom center section of that chassis where the trigger guard and the magazine well is at, I can take that off of the chassis and take the trigger out without ever removing the barrel action from the chassis. Yeah, and that's always nice for field field operation, you know, to, you know, if anything were to go awry, that's awesome, you know, and I and, wish and, every and trigger it, was. And it's designed, you know, it's specifically a single manufactured trigger in that thing uh that installs with a you know allen head and no push pins i i hate push pins i hate we all i hate i, I lose them all like i i can never keep up with them well it's not only that i don't even just i mean i don't really have a problem losing them as much as i do i don't like using them you know what i'm saying i don't, I don't like the operation of them you know I, I don't don't enjoy that at all and that's something that i've got my hat off to uh to Joel Russo with Terminus with doing at least threaded. I mean, yes. I like that. I mean, shit, why, yeah. how is that so revolutionary to where here it took to 2019 or 2020 to figure that shit out? 
for the same re- the same reason we're still running at Sandy and CIP CIP pressures from a hundred years ago. Like, why are we still capping it? You know, oh my God, you're at sixty two thousand. Okay, who cares? I'm at eighty five. Who cares? This money, because um, in order in order for you well the in order for you to run those those pressures, somebody's got to do what you're doing right now, and that shit ain't cheap. And it's not only cheap to figure out, but it's not cheap to to mass produce either. And yeah. and you also have to worry about which, I mean, you you do too, but not probably on the scale simply because you're going to have a different um, demographic of buyer. But you got to worry about some fucking window licker, you know, with high pressure load. Which I I don't know really shit about fuck when it comes to high pressure cartridges, but um, you know. Given anyway, given the ability to load this stuff or whatever, who knows what they can cook up and and fuck up. Um, and so the big the big companies don't want to uh, play in that realm or whatever would be my guess. That's just me outside looking in guess. Yeah, you know that that's a you know it's a double edged sword thing. You know we start talking high pressures, we're not you know we're not talking you know crazy outrageous stuff. It's just you know there's no reason that you know. We should still be, you know, looking at, you know, 56, 58, 60, 62,000 pressures as the baseline. Uh, you know, manufacturing techniques have gotten way better. The alloy specifications and consistency have gotten way better. Um, you know, you, you take proof rounds, you know, proof rounds where, you, you know, your typical CIP semi-pressures, you know. Uh, and like, you know. So 150 percent or whatever it is. So you know, if the CIP is 60,000, the proof round is like 90, 92,000, and they, they shoot it twice. They measure the if anything's damaged, and then you know it gets you know proofed. Um, yeah. So, but you know, 90,000 with certain systems, you know, kind of gets up there, but. Um, you know, with, with today's manufacturing and today's uh, metal mills and how they're the consistency of what they're making, you know, that the 60,000 is just, it, it doesn't make any sense to me. You got, you know, shit, you know, 15, 20 years ago, you had Bentrust guys with the 6 PPC. They were mm-hmm. taking, you know, three to five cartridges to the match. And they run that shit like 68,000 and never touch the case the entire match. Just keep pump powder in it, put a bullet in it, powder in it, put a bullet in it. You know? Yeah. So, you know, everybody's like, oh, you know, if you get, you know, over 65,000, you know, start tearing the case up. Well, only if it's designed wrong. Right. Yeah. Well, not only uh, designed wrong, but if you're still, if you're still using, so if you're still using the same, I guess you'd say baseline materials as was used when those, like you said, Sammy right. spread or pressures, when if, if all is the same as then, nothing changes. But it takes somebody to, you know, think outside the box and then look into these new alloys, look into this new process of of you know brass and or casings or whatever and and going like to try to to basically um bust through the the glass ceiling if you will 
and right. to, to, to do this. And once you have that mindset of, we're not, well, we're not going to use the normal stuff. We're not going to use the stuff we've always used. We're going to make our own or we're going to explore this. Well, then those things become actual possibilities instead of, you know, pipe dreams. Yeah, yeah. It, 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 it probably cost us, uh, well, it cost us a shitload, a lot of money to run uh, analysis on different alloys to narrow it down to the exact one for the bolt and the exact one for the breech cylinder just to get away from the traditional chromoly or stainless versions that the industry uses. Um, well, yeah, and, and the thing is, is that now after like once you've done this and everything, and it's it's out there, then that is it's going to take someone like you, and and then other people are going to be like, oh, like what's that over there? What's going on over there? And uh, the, let's us our team explore that, and and that's well, that's just how new innovations happen with everything. And that, and that, and then you know that's why we're gonna you know. Have the, you know our whole hot light ammunition so that even if Joe Glow does want to do it, then you know they don't want to do ammunition. Somebody has to do the ammunition. Yeah, yeah, and it's to me, it, I, I hate the term, especially in the firearms in, industry, revolutionary. Very little is revolutionary. In this exactly, it's a, it's almost like the term game changer. I ain't talking about the the damn bag from Armageddon. <laughs> But the turn, oh, this is a real game changer. Is it, though? Is it really? Right. You know, this actually is. I mean, this is uh, industry changing because, you know, the cat's going to be out of the bag. You know, when, when Hoplite does their thing, you're going to be the, the, the you know, industry leader in this sector. And people are going to be uh, looking to, to, well, first chase your heels and then looking to out basically outdo hoplite and um to me as a consumer i mean that's nothing but you know awesome for me right you know it's something else what you got to worry about but not me because hey that's what that's competition that's innovation that's capitalism yeah well i don't have to worry about it i already had the next three i'm already i already had the next three products for when they do do it hey that's that's all better for you, and that's uh, that's how you're gonna stay ahead of the game. You know, that's that's 4D chess, as everyone thought Trump was playing in uh, I, the 2020. Yeah, <laughs> I play I play checkers. I don't play chess. Yeah, I don't, and, know, I don't even know how to play chess. I can play checkers. Yeah, I don't do chess. Is not my game. Jujitsu is as close to chess that I that I'm okay with doing. But uh, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm good with that game, too. Yeah. Well, oh, look, for everybody listening, if you're watching the UFC, so me and Theus are bullshitting all day talking. And I, I don't remember what I mentioned. I mentioned, like, the the Abu Dhabi a, uh, ADCC. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The ADCC is the uh, basically the biggest. It's like the Olympics of jiu-jitsu. It's every two years. It's in Abu Dhabi. And it's it's huge. The biggest names in Nogi Jiu Jitsu are there. It's like the Super Bowl of the of Jiu Jitsu. It happens every two years. And he said, "Oh, well, you gotta talk to my buddy. Uh, I gotta get you in, in contact or so, whatever you said, my buddy Khabib." I said, "Khabib who?" He said, "Norman Gamadoff." I was like, "What? Your buddy? Wait, whoa, whoa. We're gonna just go past that. Like you didn't say what you just said. Your buddy." 
Khabib Nurmagomedov, who, if you don't know, is pound for pound the most badass son of a bitch on the fucking planet. And I was like, I didn't know Khabib had friends. I thought he had training partners and coaches, and that was it. Because he has no life other than training. And we went to conversation yeah, he, about that. It's amazing. You know everybody. Yeah, he's uh, he's got a lot of different business to, uh, situations right now. He He's he's into a lot of different uh, a lot of different divisions. A lot of different divisions of businesses. He's getting ready to launch his own uh, they're going to test it. I think they're going to test the market in Moscow, I think, first. He's got he's launching his own Cellular network. That's gangster. Yeah. And he's also done some uh, shit. What did, what did I just hear that he did um, for was he did some shit for COVID? I, I forgot what, what it was that he did. But, I mean, he retired, basically announced his retirement, what, nine weeks ago, something like that, ten weeks ago. And, and now he's kind of not worried about yeah, being the, the most yeah. badass dude on the planet. Yeah, he's a... Uh, He's getting his uh, agricultural degree. Uh, That's what it was, farming. That's what it was. It yeah, was some farming yeah, shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he, uh, he wants to have uh, 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 like a large sheep farm. Yeah, he's doing some farming yeah, they, shit. Like, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah. They're testing the. They're testing. They're going to test the cellular network out in Moscow first, and then they're going to bring it over to the UAE. And at that point. With UAE and Saudi, you know, you know, they all gonna go to his his network. It's gonna for that region of the world, uh, you know, AT and T, Verizon, all those that they might as well just close their towers down. Well, in that region of the world, this motherfucker walks on water too. I mean, everyone yeah, over there yeah, loves Khabib. Yeah, and yeah, he's pretty. Uh, when he goes to Dubai and Abu Dhabi, he just, you know, it is what it is. Yeah, I would, I would kill to go, and I, I would kill to go to just go to Abu Dhabi to watch the ADCC championship. Um, and then if if I could meet Khabib Nurmagomedov, holy shit! I mean, if you don't know who he is, guys, if you thought. Whoever you thought the scariest and most dominant person in mixed martial arts ever was, Khabib's got his daddy because uh, he literally is the most dominant. I mean, no one has even come close. It's not even been a close fight with him, with for anybody. Nobody's been close. He, he's abs- an absolutely amazing athlete. The, the amount of dedication that no one no one here in America especially is is quote unquote privileged or spoiled or whatever you want to call us nobody has is even in the ballpark is coming to the uh, even close to the dedication that that man has to his craft well like I said not now now he's kind of so now he's you know, announced his retirement but uh, um, there's still people think he's just playing a game and he's gonna come back but it, it, he, I don't he, he, I, I, there's no way he will. When, when the dude says he's not going to fight without his father being able to talk to him about a fight, and when he told his mother he's going to retire, that's over. Like you, you don't that you, you have to understand that that family hierarchy over there, especially him um, in that region, that it's done. Like there's no 
you know, that that'd be like, you know, it would if he came back, you know, it would his father's name, he would just be like to him, he would be ruining his father's name because he said he was retired and you, he can't go back on that. You know, I would I would I would have loved for him to make 30 and over before he retired. But yeah. Because he's 29 and 0 right now. But here's the thing. Another, another, forget the whole family dynamic thing, because that's true. It, I mean, it is true. But he still lived with his, mom, with his mom and dad. Like, he still lived at home. The man's worth. Yeah, so look at that. Man is made of tens of millions, of hundreds of millions of dollars. He lives at home, right? So, it, but the point is, aside from that, well, who's going to bring him out to fight? Like, who right now, Dustin Poirier again? No. Dustin, po- I like Dustin Poirier, and he is a not the same fighter as he was, you know, the last time he faced Connor, and he showed that this weekend. But he, he is uh, no, no one right now in that division, or is going to, you know, p- cause him any problems and be even worth it for him to to break his word. So, mm-hmm. so, so that's just talking about that. He's not coming back. But that is so kick ass that you know him, and that is, I mean, that is fucking really cool i mean he is the worldwide he is the biggest name in mixed martial arts uh, sure. yeah popularity wise yes I, I, I almost into any sport right now if if, if if we take population the population density of the middle east over there and you know and cross-section this into any sporting industry uh he's pushing it he's he's pushing the He's pushing the top. Yeah, I agree. I I completely agree. The Western world, you know, everyone knows who Conor McGregor is because of his mouth. Um, but uh, and not taking away from him, he's a, a tremendous fighter. But um, yeah, Khabib is is a different a different animal, and he's not. Just look at the difference in the business they're doing now, right? So Conor McGregor's got this new whiskey, Irish whiskey company, um, and you've got Khabib. He's like. I'm gonna be eight. I'm gonna be AT and T's daddy over here. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm gonna buy some sheep in a, a big farming industry. Like that's just shows the difference in type of you know people they are, I guess. But anyway, um, we will get back to hoplite because I can talk about that all night. Um, something that you showed me some CAD drawings. I don't know last year sometime about a like a recoil management system. With the chassis, um, is that is that actually a reality that's in the chassis right now? No. Okay, because no. that looked like dude, just the shit you showed me. I was like, oh my god, like that is crazy. So explain what that was. What that, or do you want to, or is that something you don't even want to get uh, into? Well, that's really not coming into the hoplite systems right now. That was a that was also thirty millimeter systems. Okay. Yeah, I didn't realize uh, that's big stuff only. Yeah, it, um, at the current time, it can't be scaled down to to be efficient. Okay. Not for that. Is is there, there's way other ways we can we can do that if we wanted to do it. It would actually be done in the in the rear piece instead of the front. Right. It was it was really cool, and we'll we'll put we'll uh bookmark that and hopefully in the future i can get you back on again when that thing's becoming a reality because it's some some pretty kick-ass shit um but going forward 
Um, your uh, uh, let's let's talk about the the trigger. So, like you said, a single manufactured trigger. Um, you're not going to get this trigger in any other firearm ever. No, 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 no. You can get that trigger in whatever firearm you want. Uh, really? But uh, it, it uses a tim a, a, a timby. Uh, timby makes it for me. Uh, it's a a Howa 1500 trigger. Oh shit! I thought it, you had a proprietary trigger done. Oh, so you could. Oh, that, that, that receiver is built to only run that trigger. Okay. Oh, that's what that was. Okay. All right. That makes sense. That makes more sense. Yeah. Okay. So, so, so there's no, you know, there's no, you know, tuning this and tuning that, you know, the fire control system for, you know, this cocking piece with this trigger, this cocking piece with that trigger. Yeah. Sear it, engagement problems and timing. It's built, it's built to run that trigger and that trigger only. Okay. Okay. Is that a single or a uh, two-stage trigger? That is a single. Single-stage trigger. Cool, cool, cool. It's weird because you hear it's almost like uh, a Chevy versus Ford when it comes to triggers. Like you get, oh, and I, you know, it's it's single-stage, it's two-stage, it's, you know, or uh, all my stuff's two-stage. I hate single-stage and then vice versa. I've got them both, and I like them both. The, the, the trigger goes when when it clicks it goes bang. It doesn't matter how many stages you had to get to it. Like you know, what's the you know single stage, you know double two stage. You know you got a 24 pound gun sitting on a damn you know barricade prop in a six millimeter. What what does it matter what what the trigger is? The rifle's not as moving anyway. Your, <laughs> yeah, the gun's not moving. You can have you know a three pound trigger in it. The gun's not moving. Yeah. Yeah. I, look, I, I've, I've never, I've shot some rifles with some super duper light triggers. Um, they're safe because they're not going to go off when you're not pulling the trigger, but you will probably pull the trigger before you thought you were going to pull the trigger. Um, but I, I, I'm just, I don't know. I, I think mine, my trigger tech is set at like maybe just under a pound, right at a pound. It's probably right at a pound. And then my AI comp trigger, it's, I mean, it's probably just under a pound for the first stage and the same on the second stage. So it's, I mean, anybody can shoot, you know, my rifle and they're not going to be like, you know, blown away by how light it is. And I've never felt the need for it. You know, I'd rather with, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm too stupid. I'd rather have something to help me, not pull the trigger when I don't want to just by touching it because I'm my dumbass will do that. So, um, just trying to set myself up for success rather than, than go that route and fuck up an ND and, and get DQ'd. You don't get, you don't get DQ for those things, do you? <laughs> yeah. Well, it depends on who you are. <laughs> it depends on who you are, who the match director is. Yeah. But, uh, my ass would definitely get DQ'd, so I, I don't have it. I don't, I don't have that kind of clout. But um, okay, the fore end of the chassis, it looks really good. I love it. Wait, is it? It has to look just like the the obsession modification. Yeah, the accuracy because, obsession. Yeah, he comes because, the same guy. Yep, Sam Burns from Accuracy Obsession. Who I mean, he's been on the podcast a few times, and yeah. and I've you know sang his praises 
tons because of, of what he's done with the AI chassis. And he, uh, um, you two got in contact with each other and it, it was perfect because he was like, he's like the, the, the perfect person to work with because he's not like, Oh, intellectual property. You owe me this, or you can't make that. And he says, I can't, I can't copyright it. I want to help anybody. You know, you know, he went to AI before the AI rifle was in existence and wanted like, Hey, take this and run with it. You, you make this cause I just want to shoot it. I've designed it. I, I just want to shoot it. Y'all make it because I'd love for you guys to have that option. And, and fast forward now, we've got an AI competition rifle. But, uh, you know, I can vouch. I've never shot your rifle, but I can pretty much tell you how that thing is going to, uh, how it's going to feel in a um, uh, off your belly type positional situation. Right. It feels great. Well, you, well, you, had, you had all the snipers I threw You see the, the new video. From this past weekend, when that bipod is on the edge of a two by four in that 300 nor magnum, and when it's shot, it does not come off of it. It does not. It looks like seriously, it looked like uh, the equivalent of someone shooting a I'd say a six five Creed more with a really good break on it. That's how that rifle moved, and if no one, if you couldn't see it was a long action, or if someone didn't tell you that it was a 300 Norma Magnum, you probably would have thought it was a short action non Magnum cartridge because that's that 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 recoil impulse that it had just by viewing it and watching it. It was, I was like, that's a fucking Norma Magnum. That's, that's a 300 Norma, and that thing didn't move. I, I was very impressed when I saw that little video. It did not move. And you know, the I, chassis has a lot watched, to do with that. Yeah, I have watched that video so many times that I can tell you at what point, what's what point did you see the barrel start moving? Yeah, yeah. Like up and up and down. The barrel moves up and down, and that is a 27 inch MTU Brigand Norma. Yeah. Um. And uh, what what bullet were you running in that? that That's a, uh, uh, the two thirties. That's the, factory ammo, two thirty burgers. Burger 230s, okay. Yep, I've got some 300 Win Mag 230s over there. Which, which, which is crazy because that's a that's a left hand gain seven twist. Did you did you in t- your testing did you see a big um a big advantage or at least bare minimum a difference in the well since you've got both it's left handed and it's a gain twist. Um, did you see in your testing that there was a big difference and advantage to, to it over the normal right-handed twist? Uh, well, let's just we, we can we can speed that whole conversation up. We'll be here all night. Uh, every production gun coming off the shore out the floor could be a left-hand game. I'm not even offering a right-hand. That's nice. I mean that 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 speaks yeah. for itself, then. Yeah. Well, I'll do this back up. I will offer a right hand. If, if, if you call them, say you're, you know, you're a left-handed guy, I'll offer you a right hand. Well, because then you're getting the same advantage, right? You're getting. Right. I will say this in in this game, in this industry, and along with other ones too, but uh, in this industry in particular, it does not pay to be a left-handed shooter, except for barrels. <laughs> So you get like all the awesome benefits of having that 
that twists into the same direction of way of which it recalls into you as opposed to out away from you. That's all, you know, you know, you, you, you so I've never yeah, shot yeah, a left handed twist. Yeah. They don't know any different. It's just, Oh, that's the way it always feels. Well, to us right-handed shooters, you know, we may not know what it feels like to have it done right. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I, I've never shot a left-handed twist barrel. So I've always wanted to. I just want to find somebody that I know's got one, and I just want to, like, hey, let me throw, like, three rounds down it, and I just want to see if I feel the difference. Yeah, you know, you know, you will feel it as much, you know, on the little, on, you know, on the little guns, the big heavy, the, the little caliber heavy weights, but in the magnums, you know the difference. Yeah, I was I was about to say I'm sure in something like a 300 Norma you're gonna it's gonna uh, be the difference will be accentuated because of, well given there is more recoil you know and, and it, it makes sense that it would be a um, it, the difference would be more prominent in in the bigger boys so yeah that that's cool um, that's exciting okay I want to talk about the ballistic program because I'm excited about that. And I, I, I don't know. I hope that one day I will have a hoplite rifle, but if I don't, I am excited about the software because if anything that you have learned about Theus here, you should know that anything he's going to get into, he's going to be, like I said earlier, thinking outside the box or is like, Hey, I'm going to do it and do it right. Budget be damned. And we're going to do this and we're going to put something out there that is as far as you can, you can control, be the, the best that can be put out in the market. Yes. Yeah, so the, uh, the ballistics app is a joint venture between Hoplite and Patagonia. Um, the, you know, for years and years, decades, and everybody's like, you know, they want to, you know, Apple or Android version of, you know, Cold War, you know, they want, you know, they want a new, you know, a new model of, you know, Cold War and Apple or Android and all this other stuff. Um, so what people don't realize is, you know, Cold War runs on, you know, Gus's engine you want to call it um and so we you know we approached him with um a partnership suggestion to bring a new model uh ballistics program in android and apple but with the engine um, and took some, you know, it took a lot of conversations. It took a lot of communication. It took a lot of, you know, reasons why, reasons why not, you know, this versus that. And now we are pretty close. Uh, I think he emailed me today. And he's gonna. They're working on some on fixing a code on the target terminal, the target module, uh, and they're gonna roll out me uh, then uh, a new beta version. 
we've grown like like 48 beta versions in the past few months. Mm-hmm. Um, when he rolls me out the new one, we're pretty much it's going to be. Hopefully, it's the final the final version before we take before he takes it off the the testing host platform and puts it on the Google and uh, the Google and Apple platforms. Yeah, so for people who don't know, Gus is, like you said, he's the brains behind Patagonia. Patagonia is behind Coldbore. And Coldbore has always been, it's always been Microsoft, right? Right, it's always Windows. Yeah, Yeah, Windows, yeah. So you've got uh, people were, I mean, I think Frank Galley included. I mean, he bought a a Windows phone or just to run cold bore off of because cold bore is the most robust and uh, a lot, a lot less lying to your software to get a correct correction, right? To get a correct ballistic drop. There's, there's less truing to it. Yeah. It's pretty much, you know, the only program out there that is the algorithm is modeled off of, you know, a bullet, not off of you know artillery where shells. the bullet is supposed to be. Yeah, it, like it, 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 like in the program, like you know, some of these other programs, it, in in behind the scenes in the algorithms, there's no bullet even in flight. It's just this is where it's supposed to be at this time. You know, to where Gus's program is, this is where the bullet is at right now. Yeah, right, exactly. And um the uh they all the ballistic engines out there available now for the most part. Not not I'm not going to say all cuz you've got like Hornady Fordoff and you know, you even got Lapua yeah. 6 Doff, but it never worked. Like Lapua fucking screwed the pooch on that. Um they had something cool, but they, they just don't have the the rest of the recipe to make it work, I guess you'd say. Um but uh, most of them, they all run on the same shit. It's all literally, basically, the difference is user interface, right? It's basically what you're, if you're looking at your phone here, how the, how it looks, how you input the stuff is different. But the, what's, you know, what's cooking the, the, the ballistic correction is all basically the same shit. Well, pretty much all of them are, you know, you know, yeah. a, you know, a point mass program. Yeah. Uh, it's that, you know, to where it's that, you know, you know, a modified point mass. You know, the point mass programs are, you know, that's your, you know, JBM and, you know, all the other ones. Yeah. And, and they all and look, let's be let's be honest here. They all work. They all do work, but it's it's how you get there. One, that's one aspect is, is a question. So you have these questions, right? How do you get there? Meaning, how do you get to where I hit that target and I used 8.6 mils? Okay. I know it works because I just did it. Now, for this to tell me, this phone or this, uh, you know, Kestrel or whatever, for this to tell me eight, uh, 8.6 mils, what do I need to do? What do I need to input? Okay, I put I input. All right, I have a accurate muzzle velocity here. 
um, and it let's say it's uh, it's three thousand feet per second. And um, the BC, the BC, of this bullet's supposed to be this. All right, well that can change depending on velocity. I'm gonna put this in here. Well, now it's saying 8.9 mils. Well, that's not right. Well, I need to change something to get to that. Okay, so you change your, your BC to, okay, now it says 8.6. Okay, I'm here at sea level here. If I went to Montana or to Colorado or Afghanistan, a gigantic difference of the variables, is this going to be accurate? When I need to take that first shot, I don't get to go to a range. I don't get to do that. Am I going? Is this going to be accurate, um, or am I going to need to be fudging with my numbers on the fly? And that, to to me, other than the user interface, because that's equally important as well, um, how easy the the app is to navigate and everything. But to me, that is what gives you the nuts and bolts of what uh, I guess you'd say the value of that ballistic program or the the robustness or the um, the durability of that program is it fragile to where I have one little thing or two little things change and now I've got to kind of play with it or is it no matter where I'm at is it going to tell me the right spit out the right dope every time and that's, that's right. where that's where the value aside from the user interface comes in right yeah you know you know you know in reality, you know, the ballistic programs on the market today, available today, the free ones, the ones you buy, what have you, you know, if you're, you know, if you stay in that first, you know, that first 85% of supersonic speeds, they're all good. Mm-hmm. When you get into that last 15% of supersonic speeds, then you get into the transition is when, when we see them go literally in all different directions. Right, yeah. It's harder for them to predict what that bullet is going to do and where it's going to be in that transonic range. Because their program doesn't have a bullet in the algorithm. It's just mass. Right, exactly. For I mean, for I'm sure there's some probably some people maybe listening to this that doesn't really understand what we're talking about. When you go into transonic, you got to think of this. Think of you driving on a highway, and it's a freshly paved highway. You're going 70 miles an hour, and then you go into the next state. You cross a state line, and that state hey, line. What? Uh, no, Maryland. Go to Maryland. Um, or Louisiana. I've never been to Louisiana, so I can't speak on that. But I can tell you right now, fucking Maryland. Then you, as soon as you cross state line, where you know that the, the say Virginia or whatever, uh, their responsibility ended, their budget of their highway maintenance ended. Now you get into where their budget started, and oh my God, and you run into potholes. You've got uh, just it's horrible. It's very your 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 car is kind of going all over the road because it's shitty, or you hit the rumble strips. That's what's happening in that bullet when it's going from supersonic into transonic. Now, if you're in supersonic, you're super like you said, you're super predictable what you're going to do. If you start in subsonic and end in sub, if you stay in subsonic, that's super predictable. But that transonic range is in between. It's a, like you said, transition. You're transitioning from super into sub, 
that's where the turbulence is, and that is where, uh, like you said, all ballistic apps are not created equal. You know, and honestly, some of the little six millimeters that we shoot, depending on the match you shoot in, you may never even come close to that transonic range, or you may very well be tapping into that transonic range and in in a match. And uh, that is going to determine you're, you're going to want to have as accurate of a ballistic solution as you possibly can. And like you said, that's where you know, the, the rubber meets the road and where they're separated, you know, that's, that's, that's where Gus does his thing. And I, I just let him do it. Yeah. You're, you're facilitating, you're, you're want to package it up and everything. You just let the guy, the expert do the expert shit, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm um, yeah. Good. You know, yeah. He, he tells me when to download on my phone, the email, and then I look at him like, yep. Okay, I like it. You know, my my shooting buddy CL. Uh, I mentioned him. He's gonna laugh when he hears this, but he has a, a quote yeah, that he says the, that yeah. I love. Yeah, he yeah yeah he needs to let me borrow PSG one so I can make. No, that that's him. Jeff. No, that's Jeff. Jeff's the other one. Yeah, Jeff. Hey, look, he's he's got. I'm not gonna try. I'm gonna do it for the show. Sorry, Jeff. He's got five. I told you that he's got five of them, and only one of them has been shot. PSG ones. He's got. He's got one of the largest HK privately owned collections in the United States. It's pretty fucking amazing. Uh, Form 3 shit. I mean, all it's amazing what he's got. But no, CL says, uh, if I'm not the man, I'm going to call the man. Right? Like, if I'm not the dude that other people calls yeah. about something, I'm going to call the guy that, that is. Right? Because it's, you know, I, yeah. I'm not, you know... My ego's not too big to where I can't. I'm gonna say I'm the man when I know I'm not. No, I'm gonna call the guy who is the man, and and get it figured out. And that's, you know, people in your position. I mean, that's something to be said about you personally. People in your position probably, oh, I, I've got. It. Look at all I'm doing. I can do all this. No, you're gonna call the dude. Gus is the guy. Period. Or did I, I just had I just had somebody in the thread today. You know, ask me that did I do my own 3D modeling? Uh, hell no. Yeah. That's what it's about. <laughs> I saw that. You said, uh, what did you say? That was, uh, I can barely get the flash to work on my camera phone. Right. That, yeah, I died when I fucking read that dude. That was funny as shit. Um, yeah. And that, and look, like I said, if you're not the man, you call the man. And if, if you're not a, a computer, I don't even know what, what do they call them? I don't even know what those people, that's so far beyond me. The people that specialize in that, who went to school for that and got degrees in that, and that are professionals at that, if you're not that, you call that person, right? Yeah, I get that. It's not a dick measuring contest, and but yet here you are thinking outside the box, bringing people from outside the industry in the industry all together to produce the 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 vision. You're the guy with the vision. They're the guys with the uh, the expertise in certain fields, and you're bringing them all together to produce something that is your brainchild. And that's, I mean, that's awesome. That's the, that's the American way, man. Yeah, I, 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 literally, I literally brought in a guy that I consult to that he aspires to be another Elon Musk to the point he has his own aerospace company and is launching his own rockets into space. That's crazy. Like, I mean, I, I don't have friends like that. I, 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 I had to get him to, uh, 
to um, work on this alloy with me. Is that where you were the other day? You sent me a picture of the front door of the sign. Uh, no, that was that was uh, that's for some optics though. Oh, okay, okay, yep. Um, yeah, that, that's coming. Uh, yeah, we'll save, I mean, we'll save it for another episode. Yeah, we'll yeah. save that for a future episode. Um, is there is there anything else on uh, Hoplite that you uh, you want to talk about? That's something I'm missing because I'm very prone to do that. No, I think we've pretty much covered it. Other than, yeah, I think we've pretty much covered it. It's you know it is. You know, shit, as recent as, you know, eight hours ago of changing something that I thought was. Oh, the bolt. Thank you. Thank you. I'm glad you brought that up because I forgot about it. I want to circle back to it. So we had we had a problem. So you were just in San Diego. You were in San Diego and, you know, you took obviously took the rifle with you. You know, what were you doing in San Diego? If you can say who were who was there and then what was the problem that arose? So we took took around for San Diego for a few different things. We need to get some photos uh, for the new website that's being built and the photographers out there. Um, and there's some friends I connected with from Snipers Hide to deal with that. Just let them run through the gun to see what see what happens. You know, put put different hands on it to see what goes. Uh, so I literally gave the gun to the guy in five minutes. He handed it back to me. and said, "Hey, the boat won't close." I was like, "What?" He's like, and so I looked at it, and, and for some, somehow the rear piece of the bolt uh, had uncocked. You know, he was running it back, you know, pull the trigger, run it back, and he had uncocked it somehow. So when it uncocks, the fire pin bayonet turns uh, to the 7 o'clock position, and it, it won't fit into the, the groove to go over the trigger at the 6 o'clock position. So I, was, I had no idea how he'd done it. Didn't know, so got the gun. I got the gun back from him, and we literally cycled the bolt for like the next hour and a half, two hours, trying to replicate it because no one, because he he couldn't tell me how he did it. He just said it happened. So and we were finally I, able to replicate I, it. I bro- I broke this yeah. and hands it to yeah, you. <laughs> yep, it's just you know almost like a cartoon. You know, I lift you. Know, I I lift heavy things. You know, like here it is. Right. Yeah. So you know, we, we had to figure out how it happened. It, you know, it happened. He, I'm looking at it. You know, he had to me. It was like, uh, what is this? So, you know, we finally figured out how it happened. So they, that last week's design to get the bolt out is there's a spring-loaded bolt guy that runs down the bolt body from the top and about three quarters of an inch. In front of the bolt handle, there was a notch ramp on the, like, you know, the right-hand side, the three-o'clock position type. So to get the bolt out, you would pull it back, and you would line that notch up with the spring-loaded bolt guide on top in the Picatinny reel, and then turn it counterclockwise another 30 degrees, and the bolt would come out. <laughs> so, you know, we bring this bolt tens and tens of thousands of times that never had it happen like you know just I don't, it didn't happen it never happened right so come to find out 
after we found out exactly how he did it, we were able to re- to recreate it. And if if you're not used to a three lug gun, and you go to pull this bolt handle back, the bolt handle doesn't feel like it's up all the way. So he was, you know, basically ham fisting it. As he was pulling it back, he thought he had to push it further counterclockwise. Like a two lug, to right? It's about 90 like degrees. At the same time as pulling it back, he was pushing it all the way counterclockwise, and he found that he found that ramp and took the bolt out during a cycle. That's crazy. So we fixed that. We got I got out of the shop Tuesday morning. Why well, shit? We started working on that Sunday night. Uh, brainstorming ideas to fix it. I got back to the shop Tuesday morning and pretty much I, I, I put the the SolidWorks images of the fix in the in sniper type red already. Um, it looked really good. What we've, done, what we've done is made it, we've kept it a spring-loaded bolt guide, but it has a knurled knob sitting on top with a screw in it that screws down to the bolt guide. The spring is enclosed in the middle of those so to get the bolt out now like there's no ramp on the bolt body you just pull it all the way back at a cycle and then pull that that neural knob up that manually pulls the bolt guide up and you just pull the bolt right out and also what that does for us when we close the bolt all the way that bolt guide spring rides on the rear part of the bolt where there's no channel because you're because you're turning it clockwise that the bolt guide channel runs long ways down the bolt body so when you turn that when you close it that spring loaded system that bolt guide now rides on part of the bolt that has no channel which means it pushes that spring up so that neural knob will stick up an eighth of an inch above the Picatinny rail so that you know it can close. That, I mean, like I said, that could have, as many times as you ran that bolt prior to that happening and it it never recreated it. And then as many times it took you to, of trying to recreate it and it not happening until you did, right. You could, you try, you, you saw it happen I'm going to try to recreate this. And it took you forever to get it done. And you monkey fucking with it and finally get it to do it where honestly, 99.9% of people would never have that problem because, you know, well, you know, maybe they are used to running a three lug or they, you know, yeah. whatever. Uh, you could have easily said, you know what, to save on that. Boom. We're going to, you know, if, it, if this happens, we'll tell them how to fix it, whatever. No, you said fuck it. We are we are scratching it. We're doing this. We're making this. This is the time to do it, and not when it's in customers' hands. That to me, I I, I, I literally told the guys what happened. I was like, well, if it happens once, it'll happen a hundred times. And we're we're not gonna we're not gonna say names of anybody on here about this, but there. There are people, and I sh- there is one in particular that definitely comes to mind your mind because we've talked about it in, in the past that did not uh, go that route. It was 
first thing that made sense is what went to people's hands. And when then something else made more sense, oh, well, well, here's this one. And this one is does this differently because of this problem. And that to me is just not a good business model. But what you know, you, you are fixing the issue before it actually does become an issue. And for that, every prospective buyer thanks you. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, you know, it's, you know, shit, you know, it's taken me, you know. Well, it's taken, you know, we started brainstorming ideas Sunday night. Uh, to where I have the I have the solid work finished right now that I can, you know, Mastercam takes that immediately. Um, you know, so I'm at, you know, I'm at a four day fix because I don't have customers, you know, calling me, you know, every, you know, every day to my, hey, you know, I, I had this problem. I had this problem. I had this problem. Or, yeah, I have the problem right now. Customers don't have a problem. I have the problem. Yeah, that's the way it needs to be. You're not passing your problems down to the people who are handing you a lot of money. And uh, that that's that's the way it needs to be. That needs to be the industry standard, even though we both know it won't be. Um, uh, anything else you wanted to, to? Oh, I've got a question for you. I got a question for you. When are you going to get a dog? Man, I travel too much right now. I know. I know you do. You're uh, always everywhere. Shit, I got to, let's see, I think we're going to try to do the uh, the mile match the end of February down in Texas. Um, before that, I'm not sure, if, well, we haven't confirmed yet whether we're going to hit Abu Dhabi in the middle of February or not. Uh, I know March, I'm going to the Ukraine. And, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I what caliber are you going to be? Are you going to shoot the Norma for the mile match in Texas? Yeah. That's awesome. So now is that going to be, uh, I know you're not going to be factory ammo, but are you going to go monolithic? Actually, you know, uh, I've actually thought about shooting factory ammo winning. Just to, Really? Yeah. Just to say you yeah. did it? Yeah, just to, just to shoot factory ammo winning. You'll be the only one there doing that, and if 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 the rifle performs and the shooter performs, that's going to be saying a lot to do that. Yeah, you know, the, you know, the uh, the guy's going to he's going to shoot at a mile Sunday and Monday, this Sunday and Monday to uh, actually see if those bullets hold up to that seven twist. In 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 theory, they they should hold up, but in the same theory. It's possible they shouldn't hold up. Um, Over twisting. Yeah, because but they, they they should hold up because we're not pushing the speeds on them because it's factory ammo. Right. Uh, now, you know, if we were cranking the speeds up on them, then yeah, that seven twist is you know gonna run the potential of spinning jackets. Right. Um. But yeah, actually, because I got to see, I have about. I've got about a thousand rounds of 215 and 230 factory ammo, Oof. but but then we uh, we just got um, 1500 uh, brand new 
nor magnum cases to load solids with. So I, I, I may shoot jackets and let the other guy shoot solids, or he may shoot solids and I mean jackets and let me shoot solids. I'm not sure yet. One of us is going to shoot jackets. Right. Just say you and did. What, yeah, fact, one of us will shoot solids. Yeah. <laughs> one of us is shoot. Yeah. One of us will shoot uh, handload ammo monolithics, and then one of us will shoot factory ammo jacketed at the same match. Right. Did you get in? Did you get in contact? Did you? Did your? Did you source your solids? I'm. So, I'm sort. Yeah. I have a. I'm still working on that right now. The. Actually, I emailed him today. Uh, Good. Well, if you don't, if you don't get in contact with him, you let me know, and I, I will. Because I want to run. Uh, I want to run them out of a mag. Mm-hmm. Out of a CIP link. And the, the ones I have now, I can't run out of a CIP mode. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you can uh, fit the powder in and, and put a good jump on 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 them, you you, you could, I guess. But um, uh, as, 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 as long as they have enough, as long as I can, you know, as long as they still fit in the case, you know, I I can get this feedback by going to a faster powder because I'm not worried about the pressure. Yeah. Yeah, you got a fifteen hundred or a thousand rounds of the two fifteen loaded three hundred Norma or two thirty loaded. God knows, I do not want to pay that bill because that shit's expensive. Holy shit, you got some expensive factory ammo. Yeah, I've got about five hundred rounds of two fifteen and five hundred rounds of two thirty, and then and then I have fifteen hundred fifteen hundred new cases, and I'm waiting. Well, I've been waiting. I've been waiting on the uh, the RCC brass and the Norm Magnum, but I'm just gonna uh, make my own. Yeah, I you know the only uh, that stuff's expensive. I hate buying one box of it, but uh, I I have had uh, I shot some of the 215 loaded 300 Win Mag Burger ammo. Um, is back when it was uh, applied ballistics ammo, and I was on the thousand yard deck at. Uh, frontline defense and with my suppressor on the uh, 300 and i got i guess is i guess it's pre-detonation it was literally like two reports pow pow like that it was it was crazy and the bullet landed like i was dialed for like 800 yards it landed like 100 yards in front of me i was like what the fuck was that anyway kept shooting whatever to screw the suppressor off, uh, um, put it on another gun, shots more. Then one time I, w- I was, I remember what I was doing. I was putting the bayonet to my old Magneto Speed V2 on the suppressor, right? And I look at the end cap and I see right there on the inside of the uh, um, end of the muzzle of the suppressor is like a little nick in the paint. And I was like, huh? And I unscrewed the suppressor and I looked down the suppressor and the baffles look like just this and i was like that had to be that 215 loaded applied ballistics ammo that you know i don't know if that's called a pre-detonation a pre-detonation or whatever but it was literally two recoils i mean or, or two reports bow bow and anyway and i hadn't shot the stuff since but that was back when they first started their ammo stuff and um yeah, I told I had to, when I sent it in the silencer code to get it fixed. I was like, "Hey, what ammo did you shoot? What caliber?" And I was like, "Hey, it was this shit." 
I don't know, it's factory ammo. I didn't load for it, so it wasn't it wasn't hand loads. But um, do you like the way that 300 normal stuff shoots? Does it shoot good for you? Uh, we haven't gotten into that deep with it yet. Okay, y'all just put rounds on the barrel. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm just putting. We put, yeah, see what shake loose. Sure, sure. Like to but the back, point where, you know, to to the point where I I know I have to uh, I have to custom make the the plunger springs. Oh lord. Uh, there's not a right now. I haven't found an off the shelf spring that's going to work for me. Okay, well, and that's hey, you're gonna when one is chosen and put in there then you're going oh everybody's going to know that it's the right one that works so that's i mean that goes right along with your you know the way you're running business and everything so that's really cool um back to the dog thing just so people know um that's how me and you were introduced so i got uh i everyone knows on the podcast that i have a background in, in working dogs and everything and people in snipers hide know me from you know being the i guess i've become the de facto working dog source of information on snipers hide and you you hit me up and is when you were moving um to your new facility and you wanted a dog and you we ended up uh chatting you know we i'd seen your posts and stuff before that i knew who you were but i didn't know you um and then uh we then we ended up talking on the phone and you know, you you came to me with a very specific type of dog that you wanted and and I don't mean breed I mean as in traits which is exactly what I needed to hear just so everybody knows Theus was a very I guess I could call you a very educated uh working dog uh customer if that's you're not a customer but you know what i mean you were someone looking and you knew exactly what you wanted and what you didn't didn't want what the dog the job the dog needed what the dog needed to be able to be uh to do and you know you had had prior experience with working dogs uh in your past life um and uh which made it very easy for me and uh i i, I found the dog and it's a dog from my uh club dog's name is black doug and he is um from a litter that is it is the most badass litter of puppies i have ever seen in my life literally every dog from that litter was a killer when i mean killer i'm talking this dog you are going to have to cut him stab him with a knife or put a bullet in his head to stop him otherwise you will die if he's ever on you and you can't stop him. Um, and that whole litter was that way. But Doug was probably, when I say the term sharp, the sharpest, it doesn't mean what people typically think. Sharpest in working dogs, I mean, my dog is sharp. That means that dog is edgy. And I mean, edgy in a good way, meaning he is quick to fuck someone's shit up. Um, he doesn't discriminate. And he is a lot of dog. But it just so, and I had a deal worked out with uh, my butt my club member who had him he was looking to sell him and it just didn't work out logistically with you because of like you just mentioned earlier with traveling so much and doug is a dog that doug is a dog that you don't want to not be able to spend the time with and be the one to care for him because anyone probably else left to be commissioned to take care of him while you are gone it could end up bad, 
but he had the traits that you wanted in a dog. I mean, to the fucking T that dog is a monster. And, um, yeah, but whenever the day comes to where, when hoplite is up on its feet and everything, rifles are getting pushed out and you're not having to do all the traveling that you are, uh, the what five airports in 10 days, like you did <laughs> when you're not having to, when you're not having to do that, uh, you know, you know where to come and I'll, I'll find you, I'll find you the dog you need for, uh, for your needs. Yeah, I'm going to, uh, I know I'll have another one or a couple more, who knows, but, uh, yeah, it's just for working dogs right now. And I, shit, I don't have time to even take the damn dog to the field, uh, to even, you know, have a come to Jesus obedience meeting. And I'll take with that dog in particular, that come to Jesus meeting, it, it, you need a team. <laughs> you need a team with yeah. you with multiple leashes hooked to different collars on that dog. Well, I was like, yeah, we, we always put the double collars, put one to a post. You grab one, put a muzzle on him, tie one leg up to the vest so he's three legged in the and do, do stay and sit, stay and sit, stay and sit. And the first time he growls, you better be ready. Hey, look, I'll say this about Doug Doug's obedience is i mean uh nick is my club member that um nick tolson that that owns him and nick is a phenomenal trainer and let me tell you something doug's obedience is is fucking badass like his obedience is super but like you said it's sometimes with dogs like that it's uh because i had one one, it it, it takes one time for them to get away with something and then the next time it goes from getting away from it getting away with it to you know bad news punking you uh, well and see in that very thing i had i experienced with uh, a dog that i had named Django, a uh, big 85 pound uh malinois that put his previous handler in the hospital for five days before i got him um me and him had a couple of those meetings and i got stitched up for it and which i won but i got fucked up in the process but uh um, he lost and that hit that it, to, to kind of put it in like a, a human uh, perspective or whatever that loss to him hurt worse than my wounds that I got it really did. I mean, it hurt him. It hurt his ego. And it um, and the, a couple of those happened. But what it happened was to speak on what you mentioned, because you were 100 percent correct, is the guy he put in the hospital, Django, when he was in Holland. The woman who raised him in, in, in to like two years old was a hundred pounds. He weighed up as much as she did, and he would not lift an uh, wouldn't lift an eye at her. But he found out with this guy when he got you know he was imported here um, by Cobra Canine um, Jeff Franklin and then sold to this guy. I, I don't know what happened, but I be- what we think happened was. The the handler was scared of him, and Django knew it. He's a big imposing dog, uh, and mm-hmm. Django knew it. And he, Django's problem was he didn't want to do something that you wanted him to do, and so he was going to make you make him. Or if you didn't let him do something that he did want to do, you're going to have a problem there too. 
And I think he probably punked that guy one time and that sowed the seed to where he's like, oh, shit, I got what Every I wanted. And now, and then, yeah, and then what we think happened was the handler got tired of getting punked and decided to call his bluff on it. Well, then Django naturally had to up the ante and then fucked his shit up sideways. Um, yeah. And yeah, and I had that, you know, me and him, I knew that coming into it. So I knew already knew off the bat what kind of dog he was. And so we had that problem um, and we we worked through it pretty good. And a cattle prod works wonders. Just putting that out there. Um, <laughs> a cattle prod works. Um, but yeah, an uh, 18 inch piece of uh, hydraulic pipe. I mean, hydraulic, yeah, hydraulic hose, 18 inch hydraulic hose, muzzle on the dog, two collars, two leashes. And wrap one leg up and tie it to the to the harness. It, yeah, it works. That works as well. Um, and so is a flathead shovel. And uh, I have on a couple occasions had to literally hang Django. Uh, basically, the think of my kennel outside. It's got the crossbar for the top frame of the kennel. I've had to run his leash just for literally just for going him going into the kennel. When he didn't want to, that was a fight that I had to deal with him daily. And um, it a lot of times ended with his leash that's connected to his choker going over that crossbar and me hoisting him up off the ground until he crossed his eyes and he rolled back in his head. And then I'd let him down, put him in the kennel and he'd wake up and he's in the kennel with the door closed. So that those are types of conversations that. um that you might have potentially had to have with Black Doug, given that you weren't the one that raised him. Nick fought with his ass, and he raised him when he was a puppy. Um, and you need to be the one to be there and do that. You can't do that right now. So it doesn't make sense. Yeah. But when that time comes, you know who to come to, and I'm going to find you whatever. I'll find you another Black Doug. I'm going to find you whatever it is that you need. So yeah. when when you my question to you is when you coming up here to come shoot with me and hang out and bring that kick ass rifle up here for me to shoot. Oh shit! What y'all got going on in May? Oh, you tell me. I ain't got shit going on in May. Uh, well, let's see. Well, let's see. I got February. Let's see. February's taxes. Uh. Well, let let me get a. Uh, let me get all these changes put on onto a new test model so we're not jacking with the same old test model anymore. Yeah, I'm going to hold you to it, man. I want you up here. You're the one that's, you know, the international man flying around everywhere. Louisiana ain't that far from North Carolina. So you come up here, you got a place to stay, and we got, you know, at least a 1,000 yards of shoot, and, and we can have fun, play around, have some good times with that kick-ass rifle of yours there cool brother all right well look um if you don't have anything else i think we'll call it um to to all the listeners i hope you enjoyed it i enjoyed uh having the conversation with theus here he's a good buddy of mine and um uh thanks for listening and next week uh let's see next wednesday i'm gonna have jacob bynum on we're gonna do some new announcements and stuff for the uh assassin's way match um and some uh, some new cool stuff he's got going on 
and uh, we're going to talk about. Uh, he's already told me what. Well, I'll leave it for you guys to be a surprise. We, some stuff that he already wanted to talk about and told me he wanted to talk about. So, um, uh, look forward to that. That'll be posted up the next morning. Uh, it is Thursday. This will be going up tonight for you guys listening to on your Friday mornings. So, um, please, like I've told you, I am off of social media um, to help grow the podcast. Like it, comment five stars on iTunes or, or on uh, the Podbean app, and let's keep this thing growing. And uh, you know, the, the more it grows, the more I'll want to. I may end up doing two episodes a week. So I appreciate the support that I get from you guys. I'm going to get together a new T-shirt order and get those in and get them printed up for you guys. I have all sizes, um, so uh, just hit me up. And Theus, I'd send you one, but you're not a 3XL kind of guy, so I gotta wait for the next order for yeah. you, brother. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I, yeah, I, I had to do a, I had to do a one X or a, a regular large. There you go, I got you, buddy. All right, cool. I appreciate you coming on to chat with me, brother. Yeah, no problem. Talk to you later. Cool. Thanks, man. Hey, just stay on the line. I'll just hit end the recording here. Thanks, guys.